Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese podcast. And, you know, I we focus so much on Latine-owned wine brands, as we should, right? But we know that there are so many more wine brands out there, a lot of wine brands that come from other people from communities of color. So I'm super, super, super excited for my guest today, we have Krishan Lampley. Hi, Krishan. How are hello. You? Hello. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your story. The only thing that would make it better if I, is I had a bottle of your wine to be tasting with you. <laughs> I'll be happy to send you some wine. <laughs> uh, Krishan is the CEO of Love Cork Screw. And let me read your bio because I love this. It just is. I... I love the picture that you paint through your bio. And it's Love Corkscrew is a brand that embodies the paradox of creating something new while paying homage to classic elements. Krishan Lampley, the founder of Love Corkscrew, has leveraged her 20 years of industry experience to create a unique brand that has captured the hearts of consumers across the nation. Love Corkscrew was founded in 2013 has quickly expanded its wine portfolio to include whimsical and unique labels that appeal to a diverse audience. Their rapid growth has led to over 1,800 locations, which is so awesome. The success of Love Corkscrew can be attributed to Lampley's ability to navigate the complexities of her marketplace while staying true to her vision. Her mentorship efforts, dedication to community, engagement, and commitment to creating opportunities for underrepresented communities are just a few of the many ways she has proven to be a leader and trailblazer in the industry. Love Corkscrew's achievements have garnered well-deserved recognition, including several amazing collaborations, such as a partnership with the Peacock Network and numerous features in publications such as Forbes Magazine, Essence, People Magazine, Vine Pear, and Wine Enthusiast, among others. Lampley's journey and the success of Love Corkscrew serve as a reminder of the importance of staying true to one's vision while remaining adaptable in an ever-evolving marketplace. The brand's continued growth and recognition are a testament to Lampley's unwavering commitment to her craft and the community she serves. That sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else can you say? But I love that because you know it's so important, and we, I, I swear I've been having more and more of these conversations. Because I've been getting questions a lot in regards to why I started the podcast and 
my story, short story, right? The abbreviated version is I really wanted a place where our collective voices could come together because my friends come from across communities of color. So, you know, I have such an amazing group of friends that we continually support each other, shout each other out, advocate for one another. And that's what I wanted this space to be as well. I have really focused a lot on Latine on wine brands because being Latina and having a, a grandfather who worked in the citrus fields and stuff like that, knowing like the farm worker and the agricultural situation, it's just very natural. But there's so many amazing Black-owned wine brands out there. And I'm so excited to have you on to really talk about your brand and how you got, because I think we talk so often about a lot of times people from communities of color don't grow up with wine. They right. It's very bougie in, in a lot of, particularly Mexican households, it's like tequila and beer is a lot very prominent. I don't know what it is in the Black community. You can tell me. Within my Laotian friends, it's a lot of Hennessy. <laughs> and, but I love hearing the story of how people get involved. But before we get into all of that, and before we hear your story, and before like all of that, we always start with the wine. So I want to give you extra time. So I'm just going to share with you. I'm where I'm having a 2014 Chardonnay from Herencia del Valle. You can see in the, in the corners, the very golden. Uh, it's a very golden color. Ah, there we go. And it's I'm somebody who's not a big buttery Chardonnay fan. So this makes me happy because it's a lot lighter. It's a lot more, has a lot more citrus notes and everything. But I've talked about this one before and I want you to talk about your wine and what you have with you. Actually, so today I have, and I'm going to partake in it a little bit later, is my Riesling called Head Over Heels. It's a semi-sweet Riesling. And I am a dry girl. I like my wine so dry. I always make the, the statement, I like it. I, I want to cut it with a knife so dry, right? <laughs> However, my Riesling has just the most perfect acidity that when I'm not in the mood for that muddy, deep, gritty Cabernet Sauvignon uh, or Bordeaux or Chianti, I want to do something just nice and lightly sweet and, and fun. So I would say definitely love corkscrews head over heels. Is something I enjoy. And we know a Riesling, they, they say it'll be 99 Psalms with a hundred different answers, but everyone always agrees that when in doubt, get a bottle of Riesling. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. It's I'm tiptoeing into Riesling because I'm, I'm very much a dry girl as well. Yeah. yeah. I love my dry one. And that, and I don't like the heavy, like, that's why I don't like the buttery Chardonnays. They feel too heavy on my palate. I just don't like the way it feels. And if you like that, that's cool. I always say the best wine is the wine that you like, right? Period. <laughs> I say drink it, enjoy it, drink it, don't overthink it. We all like what we like and we all have different palates. So you can't be wrong with what you like. Just stop the intimidation. Enjoy it how you like it. Yes. I'm really interested. Like I said, I'm starting to get into tiptoeing into Rieslings. I'm, what type of wine do you, for you? Because we know wine is very, very subjective. Right. For me, I tend to stay away from New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs because they're very, I hate grapefruit and they're very grapefruit forward. And that's all I can taste. Yeah. What on the opposite end, what is your go-to type of wine? And what is the wine you're like, oh, I know a lot of people like it, but for me, it just doesn't hit my palate the same way. 
I am definitely a Cabernet Sauvignon, Vonnier girl, anything that is full. I am full bodied. I'm I'm full bodied (laughs) and definitely uh, an enjoyer of full bodied wines. Something that really has history. I like something that has a story and something that pairs well with itself meaning I'm always not having to pair something with wine. And I think that that is one of those myths that if to enjoy wine, it has to be paired with something. No, I want to enjoy the varietal exactly by itself. I would say the ones that I steer away from, um, and I'm not a super fan of, is your extremely sweet wines. I'm not a Moscato girl. Uh, I'm not. That popped in my mind. I'm not not, either. (laughs) I'm not that gal, not that gal. It's way too much for me and too much for my palate. And it's a funny thing because, you know, I enjoy, uh, desserts and things, but but it's just not my. I don't want to drink my dessert, and and if you I know, do, have, then have give you, me some. Have you tried whiskey. ice wine? Yeah, not into that. So I'm a Midwest girl, so of course I know all those wines, and it's just not my thing. So I think I was always a little different, and my palate was always a little more advanced than the typical sweet Midwest wine. So maybe that's why I'm meant to be in this industry. I think that is so cool because I, yeah, I've not tried ice wine. I want to try it just to, I mean, I know it tends to be sweeter and everything, Very, very. but I just want to try it just so I can say I've tried it. <laughs> of course, try everything. I've tried, try, I mean, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of varietals. You, you're never going to be able to try everything. Up, right? Always something new. And, and always know that from year to year, when the star, moon, sky, sun, soil, it's always going to change. So the varietal is always going to change. So it's forever changing. And I think that's the beauty of wine. Yeah, I think so too. Like, I love that when you're saying you want a wine that stands alone, we call those couch wines. Me and my fiance were like, oh, yes. this is a couch wine because you don't need yes. anything with it. Or we like having popcorn, you know. Some, yes, uh, some I'm of the a, best I've always been a big popcorn and wine person. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this will be that to me. That means it's a good couch wine because it doesn't need anything with it. And I know it's probably sound like you're like, couch wine. No, but that's just a, like our little way of saying like, oh, this is a really easy drink to drink without anything. And that's fine. Uh, we all like it how we like it. I love popcorn and wine. So absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a weird, like, do you like your popcorn any particular way? Yeah, I I, I am. So being a Chicago girl, we're, we're known for Garrett's popcorn. And it yeah. has to be caramel and cheese mix. Like, that's my jam. Other than that, I'm going for the, the hot, spicy, you know, seasoned popcorn. And then my guy, like, we'll do just just simple for movie night. It's just simple butter and salt and we're good to go. But I love popcorn and uh, oh. that that's my dessert. So I like it on yeah. that. I like on the sweeter side. Mixed with cheese. (laughs) You know, okay, I have had Garrett's, I have had, and I'm normally not a sweet person, but I do really like the Chicago mix. Oh, fantastic. Caramel and cheddar cheese. Fantastic. Very good. If I buy popcorn like that, I love like the jalapeno cheese like that. Yes, yes. So when I make popcorn, because I usually, I don't get, I do it over the stove. I don't Mm -hmm. put it in the microwave. Yeah, same, same. I am a hot sauce, salt, pepper, hot sauce, and Parmesan cheese. Oh, you make it a whole meal. (laughs) <laughs> I have many times. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a comfort thing. I like that's right. One of my favorite snacks ever that's in great. the world. Yes, I like it. I like it with white cheddar too. That's really good. Yes. Now I want to kind of go back because before I told you, I want I really am interested in hearing. We said I said at the beginning, like so many times, people that come from communities of color, they don't grow up with wine. 
they don't grow up. It seems so bougie and so kind of out there when you're growing up because you don't hear about it, you don't talk about it. But not, that doesn't mean that that's everybody's case. That just tends to be the experience of many. I want to know, like, was how was that growing up? Did you grow up in a household that your parents drank wine? Was alcohol discussed? Was it shunned? Like, what was your experience or relationship or not really, right? Into wine and your family's relationship to wine growing up? Really growing up, there wasn't much taught about wine. You know, I had the aunts that, that we're talking like in the eighties had the boxed wines, right. Uh, in their fridge, but it was always enjoyed. At, at, yeah. Right. Franzia. It was joint um, enjoyed at picnics and, and festivities and holiday parties. So there wasn't a love hate. It was just one of those, like a condiment, right. At a holiday party. So it really wasn't until after college that I really got into it because I wasn't a really big drinker in college. And when we came out, everyone was really into the Cosmos and the apple martinis and such. And that wasn't my thing. So when I would go to restaurants, I would order all the wine flights. So that's when I really, really got into wine. And so it wasn't until my late 20s. So my family and household, you know, wasn't into it, wasn't against it, wasn't for it. It just was something extra uh, to to enjoy. So really after college was when I really fell in love with it because it it was the love of people. It was the love of seeing what happens when you're drinking wine over a meal and the conversation, whether it be business or family. And that's what I fell in love with. Oh yeah, you are all about just the the experience, aren't you? Big time, big time. Uh, My motto is it's a mood. So wine sets the tone to so many things in my opinion. And again, I, I, when I was younger and in my twenties and I would go to all these uh, very well-known restaurants and, or the newest, hottest restaurants, I would look around and I would see people laughing, enjoying themselves. What was always in the middle of the table, a bottle of wine, what was always there. And it was just so fun. And I loved that energy. And that made me really, really want to get into knowing more and more about it. And I knew people were so intimidated by it. And I wanted to break that. And I did, I broke into it. So how did you tippy toe in that? And how did you start breaking into that? Because you're like, okay, this seems very intimidating. I see these people having fun around this bottle of wine. Why does this make people happy or whatever? What was kind of your thought process? And how did you start tippy toeing into the wine world? Yeah. Again, the love of people. I worked in high-end retail right out of college. I had multi-million dollar books. So I was in all the large fashion houses. And during that time, it was meeting people from all sectors of life, everyone, every color, every spectrum from around the world. And Meeting these people and knowing that I had a knack for people, I transitioned that into working in liquor sales. So I had one of the largest territories in this whole entire state of Illinois, which was on premise. So your golf courses, your restaurants, right? So they would always say the same thing to me, Krishan, we want to support local and small batch wines instead of these large wine companies when everybody has the same wine at the grocery store, at the restaurant, at the bars. So I really got into it because I'm like, wait a minute, there is a space. There's something that's missing. Then the obvious, I'm looking around and there's no woman of color. And for me to have one of the largest territories and see that there's no woman of color, I said, something is wrong here. Also, I owned a bar. So I owned an art gallery and bar and we won Chicago's best with the best wine list. 
I wrote that wine list in 2009. So I knew I had the deal. You just owned a bar. (laughs) Oh yeah. By the way, I owned a bar in art gallery. I I did. I did. Throw that in there. So it was it was definitely the the mixture of all sides of the industry, right? Working in distribution and sales, ownership in that space. And I'm like, wait a minute, in all these sides, nobody looks like me. Something is wrong. So I decided to do what everyone told me I couldn't do. And they're like, wait, you're from Chicago. How does a girl from Chicago, you don't own a vineyard. How do you get into the wine space? And it was simply taking all of my connects from distribution, from owning the art gallery. And I drove, flew, went to all these amazing farmers. And I said to them, look, I have a huge following in Chicago at this point because we had one of the hottest art galleries in Chicago. And I said, I can outsell you in your own product and I want to create a custom crush blend. And that was over a decade ago. So fast forward, 3 million bottles sold. And I see in my bio, it says 1,800 locations. I'm actually at about 3,000 now. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is so crazy. Okay, I'm going to kind of go back. How the heck did you end up getting, how did you get an art... I felt like, okay, she's working in fashion. She's working now doing distribution. And then she just throws in, she owned an art gallery slash bar. Wait, how did that come into play? I can see where the wine would come into play because I know at a lot of gallery openings, it's very heavily, like a lot of people are drinking wine. I can see, like, I can visualize it from that angle into wine, but I kind of now have to rewind (laughs) (laughs) And how did you get into an art, like having an art gallery slash bar? It was me again, loving people. I know I keep going back to that, but really that's the core was people. And working in the fashion industry, I was so sick of making money for everyone else. Again, my literally my book back in the day, when I say book clientele, right, was over $2 million. So I said, okay, Now it's time to make my own. What can I do that makes sense and what I love? Art. I would go to these art galleries and see these people serving wine, knowing that they were serving it illegally. Like, you don't have a liquor license, but you're still serving these glasses of wine because what do people do? Get relaxed, enjoy, have conversation over art Mm -hmm. and wine. So I said, how do we combine this and make it make sense? And I want to make it where people stay. And then the longer they stay, the more probability they're going to buy some art. So it was just an idea. It was an idea that that I turned into an art gallery. And we had some of the hottest artists now worldwide known, um, Hebrew Brantley being one of them, that would do installations at our art gallery. But even more so, we had a full bar. So people would sit, have conversation. While they're doing that, they're looking at the art. And then sometimes this art would be three, four thousand dollars, you know, a painting and they purchase it over a glass of wine. So it just made sense. And I knew it was missing and was definitely missing downtown Chicago. So, again, it was just transitioning from the love of people. But I wanted my own. I wanted to own my own. And that's what I did. That, you know, were you always that kind of person growing up, like as a child into your teenage years? Were you... Because you seem like you're just a very focused person when you're like, what's coming into my mind is the one Ariana Grande. I see it. I want it. I bought it. I got it. That's it. 
Seriously, that has always been me. I was always, I was a musical kid. So I was in musicals. I was a theater kid. I was a classical trained pianist. So I was always in front of people, always. I'm more comfortable in a large setting with multiple people, thousands of people before I am with one-on-ones. So I always was that go for it kid. And I grew up in an environment where I was the only black child for a long time throughout school. So with those challenges, I had to grow a very tough skin. So I have always been that go-getter, do it. I had older parents. So they always taught me to just live my dreams. And hey, at the end of the day, if it fails, that's okay. Because you can fall back on your education. There's other things you can do. But I never want to get old and say, I wish I could have, should have done it. I just did it. But it all made sense, right? I don't particularly love the word serial entrepreneur. That That's not, I don't like that word. I think if you have the knack for something and you can turn it into something big, you need to just push forward. But everything always makes sense, right? So you can yeah. have multiple businesses, but it's still part of your love and why you're here. And yeah, so yeah, I, I had it as a kid. I'm almost 50 now. So, hey, <laughs> it stuck with Girl, me. I, I'm heading there with you. I'll be 40. <laughs> By the time this comes out, I will either already just have had my 46th birthday or about to have my 46th. Uh, you're young. You're young. I'll be 49 <laughs> in a week. So, uh, but yes, yeah, my fiance will be there. 49 in November <laughs> as well. <laughs> love it. I love it. Like fine wine, like fine wine. <laughs> right. I, you know, it's so funny because when I go out, people don't ever think, I'm sure people don't ever think you're your age. Same. Never. People don't Never. ever think I'm my age. And I always say like, I drink a ton of water. I always wash my face. Like I don't ever go to bed with a dirty face. I don't care. Like there have been times where I've been crawling up the stairs, but I yep. still wash yep. my face. <laughs> same, same. And water. When they ask me, I say the same thing. Yes. Water, water, water. I definitely, I keep facials. I do facials regularly, um, but tons of water and just good energy. Because you can't control the uncontrollables, which is a friend told me ages ago. And it seems so like just minute to make that statement. But if you really yeah. think about it, when you stop trying to control something you can't, man, that energy just gets so much better. So I, I think it's just living life and enjoying yourself. And that always helps. And a good glass of wine always a helps. A great <laughs> glass of wine. A great glass of wine always helps. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more Wine and Cheese Me. I am so interested in how you came up with the name. Love Corkscrew. Love Corkscrew. <laughs> and people always I, say love Corkscrew. I'm like, no, no, love Corkscrew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that can be taken a lot of different ways. And that's I, fine. <laughs> look, my mind goes straight to the gutter. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. And the funny, so the name actually came from a blog I used to write. And I'm an awful writer. But I wrote it right after my gallery closed. And the love section was, was uh, me and my business partner being single women owning an art gallery and some funny stories. The cork section was my varietal picks and restaurant picks because people are like, Krishan, you always know where to go. You always know the hottest club and restaurant. And the screw section was a wild card talking about pop culture. So that blog turned into a radio show. I had over 4,000 listeners on online radio. And next, you know, when I decided to come with the brand years later, I was like, what in the world is the name of the brand going to be like what? And one morning I woke up, I'm like, are you kidding me, Krishan? 
love cork screw. It makes the most perfect sense, right? So it was simply a blog turned into a radio show turned into a brand. And again, 10 years later, I'm a decade in business. I get that because initially I had a different name for the podcast. And I had already changed my Instagram name to The Wine and Cheese Man. And there was just something bugging me saying that previous name was not the right name. Just wasn't right. It was not mm-hmm. the right name. And then I, so then I was like, it has to be the wine and cheese. So when you feel it, you just know when you, you just like, no, yes, there That's is how just- love course you came. You just know. And it becomes you, right? You, you can't, you have to be true to yourself. So if something makes sense in a brand and to always know that it is something that you created, it makes sense to who you are and what you represent. Why would you change that? Like it it, it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. So it was me. So the quirky, some people look at it as something sexy, quirky, cool, but I always get a smile and a chuckle and that's what I want. Yes. I think a lot of times people want to like how in regards to, I know community is very, very big for you. And that's a lot of what drives what you do. But when it comes to the wine side, where, where did you start to learn? Because I know you said you worked for a liquor company, but liquor is different than wine, right? Although there are some similar aspects, my fiance being like a award-winning world traveling bartender and bar manager, I get that. I've gotten better when he's like, try this. And I'm like, oh, I could taste this because I've gotten more of my like wine palate, like being able to taste certain notes. It's helped me with certain things that he gives me. Sure. But it is still different. So how did you start learning? Okay, I know I want to go into wine. Now this is where I need to start. I heard you say that you went to these saying, hey, I want a varietal. I want a blend. I want this. But I think it takes time to be able to get there. And was there a time when you were just like, did you ever feel like, is this ever going to happen? Did you ever feel like you were a failure in the midst of, of going through all of this and launching your brand? No, I never feel like I'm a failure in any, I just keep going. I just keep going. If something is not right, it's not meant to be, I'm going to push forward. But really the wine space was working for in distribution because actually I was in wine and liquor sales. Mm. So I did have the know-how for both. And I knew again, when I was doing these tastings, when I would go to these restaurants and do flights and, and try to help people learn wine brands, I knew that they just didn't get it right and it just didn't make sense and there wasn't enough options for them. And that just said to me, okay, if I'm presenting wine and I'm presenting these these brands that I want to sell, but I'm not even really behind them. I'm just doing this for a check. I knew that, okay, but that's not who I am. That's not what I do. So I said, okay, let me really start digging deep into this industry. And when I found out to this day, the industry in as far as African-American period is less than 1%, less than 1% in negociants, vineyard owners, winery owners, that's a problem. So as I started really, really getting deep into it and seeing the marketing and how it was marketed to everyone, I'm like, mm, no, no, no. This whole thought process that wine has to be this intellectual, ridiculously complicated thing bothered me because no, it does not. And that's where Love Course Through comes in because I'm going to appeal to wine novice and enthusiasts alike. 
So I learned wine at a very young age in sales and then just started asking the questions. Nowadays, yes, you can online, you could take the WSET and such. But when I learned back then, I was talking to the farmers. I was going to harvest in Napa. I was making sure I understood as much as I can. Now, I don't know everything. I don't think anybody does. And it's because it's always ever changing. There's always things you can learn. But I knew that, okay, I got the basics down. I get what this means. So can I create my own custom crush blend? And that's when I'm like, okay, let me really, really do these sugar trials. Start learning about aging oak versus stainless steel. So I'm learning all these things and what I like and what my palate likes. But more importantly, me being that salesperson I always was and working in retail, I want to learn what everybody else liked. The masses. Now, not everybody's going to like Love corkscrew, and that's fine. But what am I going to do? I'm going to create several different varietals because more than likely you're going to like one of those. Yeah. And that's what I did. So to this day, decade later, I've made eight varietals throughout my whole career. And now six are in mass distribution around the country. And the names of them, the names of your varietals are so cool. They're very different. So you have your good times, good friends, Pinot Grigio. Yes. You have your hard knock life Concord, Concord. I've never had a Concord. Like, so Concord I just think is that Concord, sweet wine. Yeah, I think of Concord grapes like table grapes, aren't they? Yeah, like grapes? jelly, like jam yeah. and jelly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I've Very never had that. Yeah. Head over heels Riesling. Touch the sky Niagara. Niagara is a type of grape. Same I've never thing. had that. Like, yeah, I'm still like, like the Concord. They're cousins. The Vita Labrusca grape. So uh, they're cousins. Yeah. And then we go high rosé. I take that as a nod to Michelle Obama. Yes, it is. Or moving on up. I mean, I hear Jefferson's when yes, I think it of is. That. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it is. And the new 2021 Sauvignon Blanc. Which is currently sold out. Yeah. So that's all in stores and that in stores only at this point. <laughs> that is the, no, I love the creativity with the names. I love, and I love like, your Riesling is in a traditional kind of Riesling type of bottle, which is that slender, tall Correct. bottle, which I love. And you even have a demisec sparkling wine. Now I, I need do. to let people know, like, so here's the thing. And I always tell people when you're dealing with, I think it's so amazing that you're in, you're in th- over 3000 locations. Does it tell you on your website where you're located? I know I see a shop yeah. there. The type of stores that I'm in? Yeah. Walmart, Target, Whole Foods, yes, it's on there. Total Wines and more. When you look up the locations, stick in oh. your zip code, you'll see what stores are near you. I'm distributed in 18 states. So 18 states of distribution and I ship to 40. So if you pull up your zip code and you're not finding a store near you, I ship. So it has been amazing to gravitate towards these big box stores because I know I can get, again, love cork screw out to the masses. Yeah. And, uh, and the all price of them point is the price point. Like, I mean, I think that's, that's always a point of contention, particularly among communities of color in regards to like, it's too expensive. It's that, you know, and I think it's so important. You can find really good wines at all price points. It doesn't need Absolutely. to be a hundred that hundred dollar bottle of wine. No, no, um, no. But the great thing about Love Corkscrew is all you all you need is a twenty dollar bill. If you have a twenty dollar yeah, bill, you can buy a bottle. Twenty dollars <laughs> for across, and and that's yes. what I like about yes. your brand. When I was looking at this, I was like, this is very cool because you know, oftentimes depending on the varietal depends on the price and everything, but to have all of your varietals at $20 and they're all 
have almost five, like there's one that's like 4.7 star rating, but everybody has the five, <laughs> they all have the five star rating otherwise. And, you know, I like the simplicity of the bottles too, because oftentimes when people don't realize that you're paying for the packaging. Correct. You're paying for it, like the fancier the bottle, the fancier this, the fancier yeah, that. Yeah, the more expensive the label is to make. Yes, it's expensive. And I wanted the wine to not be so, again, intimidating, right? So if you don't remember the varietal, you might not remember that it was a Riesling. You might not remember that it was a Cabernet Sauvignon. But you will remember Head Over Heels. You will mm-hmm. remember we're moving on up. And those are the pieces why I wanted to do those double entendres and those fun catchphrases because again wine does not have to be so intimidating and my bottles stick out on the shelf because I'm in these large big box stores I wanted to make sure I stuck out on the shelves and I think Love Corkscrew does yeah I love you know when you're talking and you're about you know on your about page and everything and you really kind of say that you want to and this is kind of what we talk about every time in regards to but you're doing this in this space in regards to creating a more inclusive and sustainable experience for all that you knew you wanted to make an impact. You wanted to represent underrepresented communities to promote sustainable practices. What is your, in regards to grape to production, right? Like harvest to production, where are your grapes locally sourced from Illinois or are you getting them from different areas? So I am in Michigan a lot. So I source predominantly all my varietals from Michigan, with exception to my Cabernet Sauvignon. I definitely source that one from California. And my Sauvignon Blanc was so exciting because years ago, and this was during COVID, I decided to source it out of Chile. And it was so scary because it was stuck like in the water for like forever because these tankers, because of COVID, there was no workers and everything's closed and transportation was just like shut down. So I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if it's ever going to, you know, cross. Do I have to swim out and (laughs) grab my tanker? And I was so lucky to have some great relationships with the transport company and be able to warehouse it in in Cali at the time. And it came through uh, the port of Oakland. So I was so excited. So Michigan has been my hub forever for a long time with majority of all my varietals, but definitely California for my Cabernet Sauvignon because I wanted a nice, light, simple Cabernet. You're not going to grab a great Cabernet from the Midwest. It's just not that place for growing those grapes. And my Sauvignon Blanc, I wanted it at a really good price point. And I knew the Chilean Sauvignon Blanc was what I wanted to go for. But otherwise, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. So no, people will probably be like, what the heck? What do you mean, Michigan? Right, and that's exactly what I was going to say. People don't know there's over like 50 plus wineries in in Illinois. So I think it's this confusion that we think of the Midwest, we just think of Chicago, right? But do you understand when I drive two hours out, I'm like in the middle of cornfields? Like like people forget that part, that it's a great, great place for growing apples and peaches. And there's like so much. And that amazing Lake Michigan effect, right? So there's this area that sits between the Kalamazoo and Lake Michigan, where it doesn't get too hot and doesn't get too cold. They call it the lake effect. And it's a beautiful place for, for growing grapes. Beautiful place. So literally when I'm driving to Michigan, it's getting hotter. It's getting like 10 degrees warmer as I'm growing. Now, obviously our production time is much shorter, right? We have to cut down time depending on the weather, what happens during harvest and how our grapes grow. And a lot of times we have to manipulate it to keep things warm enough. So our batches tend to be a lot smaller, but there's plenty of grape growing in the Midwest 
absolutely. But our varietals are different. So it's going to be, yes, more of those ice wines, more of those box wines, more of the sweeter varietals, the harder the grape, as well as our grapes out here don't travel well. So your Concord grape, I have people that order it from the West Coast all the time that want to buy my hard knock life because that's not something they can get in California. Yeah. So those particular grapes don't even travel that well. So they are known and produced and we produce the wine within the Midwest. So yes, there's plenty of production out here. People yes. just don't know it. And that is part of my mission. I think that's so cool because the first time I heard of Michigan was my sister lives just outside Portland. So Willamette Valley is out there. Yeah. There are a lot of Latino wine brands out there as well. She's very close to a lot of wineries. So we went to one and we met one of the workers there and he ended up moving to Michigan to make wine. And that was the first time I was Me? like, what? He ended up moving back. <laughs> yeah. But I was just like, what? Michigan? And so yes. I wasn't completely surprised when you said that because I right. finally had exposure. But for people who've never had exposure, they probably think the same as me, like, what? Even when I say, because I actually created the very first directory of Latina owned wine brands based Love in the it. United States, people are surprised that there's wineries in New York. I was New York, right? In Niagara, New York, yeah. right? Like, there's, there's so many. Um, uh, and of course, upstate yes, New York and even in Long Island. I was just going to say upstate, and, and there's so many beautiful ones coming up. There's ones, I think one that just opened, don't quote me on this, but I believe like in Virginia, like they like there's so many amazing ones coming up and around. And yes, the climate is different. The grapes are going to be different, but there's some beautiful wineries within the, this region. Yes. And it's so awesome because every place, the Concord grapes don't travel very well. So people will get a wine that they wouldn't be able to normally get exactly. or they have heard about. Like you said, there's so many and I love the fact, so by the time this comes out, we would already have our New York event. And for our New York event, we're having three different vintners from three different regions. So we're having love it. Lodi, but represented. Yes, yes, yes. We're having Willamette Valley out of Oregon and yeah. one of the New York vintners. Love and it. It's so exciting for me because I'm like, first of all, people get to know these vintners that they've never heard of. But secondly, to be able to say, even if they send the same type of wine, to know that that will taste be totally different. different. Total, Oregon, oh my God, completely different than Lodi. Yeah. So that that's going to be amazing because people can really taste it. Those notes are so incredibly different. And it's going to be amazing to see that you can have the same varietal, but so many different tasting notes to it. That's going to be great. Yes. Next year, hopefully I'll be in Chicago. That's one of the plans is to take the tour to Chicago to do oh, a live it. podcast event. So we'll have to get together because I would love to be able to have your wine there. Um, I would to, love so, it. So people can have a local wine to be able to support as well. It's it's so important that we support one another, right? Absolutely. And, and we support local because oftentimes people are like, oh, I'm just this, oh, I'm just that. But I'm like, but there's enough success out there for all of us. There's plenty. There's it's a $130 billion dollar industry. There's enough for everyone. When things yes. are bad, people drink. When things are great, people drink. There's, <laughs> right? there's It's not going anywhere. Uh, and yes, there is room for everyone. So I actually want to kind of pivot a little bit because I want to talk about this grant that you received from Botox. Yes. You received a grant from Botox Cosmetics and the Women Grant Program to help you with your funding. And I really want to hear about that because first of all, once again, congratulations on 3000 retail locations. That Thank cannot you. be easy. Thank you. 
though. Not at um, all. <laughs> so I would love to hear about the journey, the ups, the downs in regards to going through that and trying to get your product to retail and how this grant is now helping you continue your dream to pursue your dream. The journey is still journeying. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not easy to be in retail. There is your ups and downs consistently. There's times I'm getting kicked off the shelf. There's times that I'm getting put back on the shelf and then kicked off another. And then, oh no, this it wasn't delivered to this particular location. So it's nonstop working with distributors around the country and it's never comfortable. However, it's the best marketing and the best way for Love Corkscrew to get to the masses. But as you grow, of course, I'm getting pulled in more and more directions, right? I don't have a lot of employees. So I'm having to travel a lot. I have to do tastings. And a lot of times when these tastings are happening, it's not the same if I'm not there. So if I have an ambassador or a tasting company doing a tasting and they sell a few bottles, when Krishan is there, I'm selling a few cases in minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot different. So what was so amazing about winning this Botox cosmetic and iPhone women grant was that it allowed me to do more of these in-store tastings. And that's what Love Corkscrew needs. My goal is to become a household name and be in 51 states of distribution, not just 18, to be able to ship more. I'm only shipping to 40 in my mind. A lot of people are like 40 states, yeah, 40, but I wanna be everywhere. <laughs> so to be able to make that happen costs. It's not that easy. This is not an extremely lucrative industry when you're so small like I am. So I am so grateful to Botox Cosmetic and iPhone Women because it gave me the opportunity to really get that going during a crucial time and being a decade in business. Now's my time. I've made it past that two-year, three-year mark that they say small businesses are done normally. And to be a decade in business and be able to expand and really utilize the uh, grant for growth opportunity has been amazing. Congratulations on that grant. That's really Thank awesome. You. And as a recent, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur. I feel like there's a lot of us out there, right? A situation happens and it pushes you into something that you've already maybe been doing on the side or whatever, yeah. or you're just like, so that's kind of where I'm at. When you're saying these things in regards to just pushing through anyways, I love that. And it inspires me to keep going because there's times where I'm just like, what am I doing? Oh my gosh. What am right, I like why? This is crazy, <laughs> right? My whole goal is to break every glass ceiling till there's no more to be broken. For women in BIPOC in this industry, when the industry still does not look like us, if I could be a leader, a pioneer, a mentor to push through. And there's been so many amazing young brands that are coming up behind me and who are asking me to mentor them and to have the opportunity to continue and get grants like this only supports not only Love Corkscrew, but supports me to be able to continue to mentor and push through so they don't make the same mistakes I made. And it becomes just a little bit easier. What has been one of the biggest challenges that you weren't sure? Maybe you're like, no, I know I'm going to overcome it. But in the moment, it felt so monumental and so big that talking yourself into, yes, this is going to happen. But maybe you were feeling like, is this really going to happen? Yes, it's going to happen. Because I feel like we all have those yeah. moments, right? Oh my gosh, but I have the moment like every week. 
<laughs> and it's it's what I said about getting kicked off shelves, right? It's almost like you get that email, like you're on the delete list and you're gonna it's, we're gonna take you off for the fall or take you off for the spring. It's the worst feeling in that moment because I'm like, okay, what am I doing wrong? Because that means that not enough people know that I exist or not enough people know to go buy it from this grocery store or that grocery store or this big box store or that account. So it's always this feeling of defeat. And I'm like, oh my God, what do I need to do? I'm everywhere, at least in my mind, right? I'm physically everywhere that I could be in the moment without breaking right. myself up into 1000 different Krishans. So every day I feel that way. So was there one moment? No, that moment happens daily but I have to pick up and I have to continue going because I have to say to myself in those five seconds of crying, I have to stop crying and say, got it. But I'm still supposed to be doing this because I'm a decade in business. So I'm still supposed to be here. And usually, if not that same week, the week after I get some great news, because yeah. I kept my energy open, because I didn't feel completely defeated, I woed is me for five seconds and yeah. then I kept And going. that's okay. I think it's, it's okay. okay. It's okay to yes. have, a, I had a woe is me moment yesterday. And then I had to remind myself the breakthrough comes after the breakdown. Like you gotta, Always. And, and, and I'm just like, it's okay. It's Always. okay. So I could get myself out of that funk because it's okay to be in a funk. We all get in a funk, whatever. Yeah. The thing is just to not live there. Don't, because if you live there, your energy will just feel so, so defeated. And, and even just one of, of Botox Cosmetics thought process of closing the confidence gap, right? In this industry, there's so many women and in other industries that aren't getting opportunities. So as we get opportunities, we have to kind of yell it, say, you can make it, come on. Let's do this. Let's do yeah. this. And that is the piece that knows, I know that as things happen to me, that's only making me grow and become stronger for others. Yeah. In all of these big box stores, you're growing your brand. What is the next thing for not just, not just Love Corkscrew, but for Krishan? What's the next thing? Well, number one, I am love corkscrew. Krishan is love corkscrew. I love that and because I always say the same thing about wine and cheese. It, I'm like, we're like, it's, it's so it's much of same. me. People call me the wine lady, but I do this amazing event called Clink, and and it's specifically a wine and spirit festival for women in BIPOC to highlight them and showcase them. And I recently did it this past Sunday, and we had over 850 attendees. This is our second annual event, and. To answer your question, I knew in that space when I created this, that this is also why I'm here. Again, to give that exposure that I didn't have when I got into this industry, to give the educational. We had some amazing professionals come in from MHW to Sovo Ship Compliant to all these people that could really support these women and BIPOC brands in wine and spirits. So to be able to educate others is also why I'm here. So what's next for me is to continue to do that, to grow Love Corkscrew while growing others and taking them along with me. Mm -hmm. And as I get older and when I retire, I'm still going to mentor. I'm still going to consult. I'm still going to help them make it because that is why I'm here. So what's next is, is expansion, Love Corkscrew becoming a household name and me bringing others with me. I'm thinking of like some of the questions that we would always have during our 
virtual wine tastings that were happening during the pandemic. I see you have a 12 wine pack and a five wine pack that people can purchase. Do you also yeah. have a wine club or you can just buy the packs? Yes, I have a wine club, which I have quite a few members. And the beauty of uh, Love Quirks Crew's wine club, and I guess everyone can say their wine club is different, right? But the beauty of Love Quirks Crew is I always send a little surprise. And that's what people love. Whether it's a wine scented candle by Love Quirks Crew, because we also produce candles. Whether it's a body butter, which is a 100% shea moisture. Um, that's a great, great moisturizer. That's wine scented. I always have something special and fun. And during the pandemic is actually when we really started growing our wine club. When I lost so many accounts during COVID, I gained so many online wine club members. Our online sales went up 272%. So it was unbelievable. So I said, you know what? Let's keep this up. We can bring Love Corkscrew as people get to know it. And again, I'm only in 18 states, right? I'm not everywhere. So I want to bring Love Corkscrew to as many homes as possible. So that's why I have uh, the wine club as well. I went to like one of the thing, links on your website says pour and pair. Then it says good beer, good food. Loaded sea potato paired with Stella Artois. And normally people be like, what? Why are you promoting Stella? And, I lo- and I'm just going to read what it says because to me, this just kind of shows not your only commitment to community and to people, but what we were talking about, that there's room for all of us. And you said this one's for the foodies and beer lovers. Indulge and impress with this recipe brought to you by our newest collab with Stella Artois. You guys actually collabed with them. We did. And then you said there's room for everyone at our table. Good wine, good beer, and good food. Simple as that. I've had the pleasure to collab with so many great brands, but Stella Artois is our most recent, most amazing, and our first beer collab ever. Our first wine spirit beer collab ever, actually. And they were absolutely amazing. We were on end caps with Stella Artois on all the Meyer store locations around the country. And there's so many people that come up to me during wine tastings, events, and educations. And I might say, Krishan, we freaking love you. But why don't drink wine? I don't drink wine. I drink, you know, spirits. I drink, I'm a whiskey gal or, or, or guy or or I enjoy beer. I enjoy the big time beers, right? The PAs of the world. But I said, you know what? That's okay. Because I got something for you. You know, like there's no right. problem. I definitely have education there because I've been in this industry on all the sides. So yes, there's enough room for everyone and that's okay. Normally, if there's one person with a with a, a beer uh, glass in their hand, then there's somebody else with a wine glass in their hand. Absolutely. So that's fine. So yes, I want to make it inclusive for everyone in all ways. I always want to give people the opportunity in case there's something we didn't talk about. I feel like we just touched on so many things so quickly. But if there's anything that we didn't touch on or anything else that you want to add, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Gosh, you know, I just want to add that it's not over. You know, I people think that because I've been in this industry so long that I've made it. And that's interesting. You know, there's there's things that people consider making it. And it's all different for everyone. But I want to say that there's still a long journey to go. I'm still fighting. I'm still fighting in the industry because we have this these large wine companies that rule the entire shelf space and all these stores. So I want people just to watch my journey continue. And I hope that inspires others because I know there's so many people starting brands or not sure if they should get in the space or they think this space is just sexy. 
when no, 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 no. There's so many moving parts to this industry. It's not even funny, but I just want people to continue to follow Love Corkscrew support and know that my journey has so many amazing things coming and to continue to watch Love Corkscrew, especially on Instagram. You can find everything there. And and my journey, it's it's always a story on Instagram for me. So continue to watch the brand. Speaking of, go to the website, Love Corkscrew, go to Walmart, Target, go find Love Corkscrew uh, online and post it and share it and tag Love Corkscrew. I know we've said it. We've said it once. We've said it twice. We will always continue to say that it's so important that we support one another, that we uplift one another Yes, because there is enough room at the table for all of us. And let's show our love, mi gente, to Love Corkscrew as well. Because like I said, I know that we've done a lot within the Latino wine space, but I need to take responsibility to make sure that we highlight wine from across communities of color. So I'm so happy that we are able to connect, Krishan, I because I've seen you on a lot of different things like panels and a lot of different yes. opportunities that you've been able to speak at. I'm actually going to be working with Uncorked and Cultured very soon. Ah, yes, Angela. Yes, yes. yes. Angela is amazing. I love her so much. So this is just like a, a double pleasure for me to be able to talk to you because I know that you've worked, you've done stuff with them as well. So yes, I have. And it's so funny as my as the sun goes down here in Chicago, it has and funny you mentioned that that was the the largest honor that I've gotten recently, and that I got appointed the vice president of the Association of African American Vintners. So it's great to work Yay. with amazing people like Angela, Phil Long, who's been in this industry for so long and to be represented as the VP to bring more to others and to make sure that we all get a seat at that table um, as the sun is beaming on me. I know it's, say, al- it's we- almost like, okay, <laughs> yes, yes. Right? Now what, the sun has set on be. our time. <laughs> <laughs> the sun was like, Boom, Prashad hit it. So I just want to say, I just want to say it's it's been an honor. And again, to to watch um, myself, but watch how I bring women in BIPOC up as we need a seat at the table. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I can't wait to taste your wine. Uh, Same. And share that as well. So I um, thank you, Mijente, and make sure again, buy, follow, tag, all of the things with Love love Corkscrew. Love Corkscrew. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.